Hey guys, Pastor Bear here. Welcome to the podcast for Real Church. We meet every Sunday at 11.15 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sherpsburg. You can also check us out online at www.realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. I hope you enjoy this week's message. summer of uh, the, the winter, actually, going into the winter of 1999, uh, as a lot of you guys know, our house was destroyed by a tornado. Uh, our house, when I say our house was destroyed by a tornado, I don't mean that our home was, uh, the roof was kind of messed up. That's not what I'm talking about. I don't mean that um, there was maybe an issue or, or two with the structure. I'm talking about picked up, thrown completely about, uh, I don't know, uh, five, six hundred yards down a hill, uh, basically everything we owned. Uh, a lot of the pictures this week has reminded me of that. I've been reminded of that destruction, and I can empathize with what those people are going through right now um, in, in what they're dealing with. And so um, it's interesting, though, whenever, whenever the house was destroyed, Wendy and I took, uh, there's always this question, we got this a lot, well, are you going to build back? And I said the same thing every time. We are going to build back. We're not going to build back here, okay? But we are going to build back. If someone else would like to build back here, good for them. Uh, It's funny because we had been back in that town about eight or nine months, and a tornado came through. And uh, all of a sudden, all of our friends said, oh, yeah, that place is known as Tornado Alley. And I was like, Anybody going to tell me uh, anytime soon, or is that information that is the secret until the tornado hits? And then you find out, because I had no idea. We decided we were going to build again, but we were going to build somewhere else. And there was one thing, there was one thing that we wanted uh, in a home that was very important to us. We wanted to make sure that the home that we owned was on a cul-de-sac. We like being on a cul-de-sac. Now, why do we like being on a cul-de-sac? Well, we like being on a cul-de-sac because if you're on a cul-de-sac, if, if you're driving down your road, supposedly, unless people are kind of just looking around, no one really needs to visit past your house or so unless they kind of live there. And so you could be sitting in your living room, hear a car, look out, and you would more than likely know who it was that was coming down. You want to be on a cul-de-sac. That's why most people want to be on a cul-de-sac. Now, some people don't like being on a cul-de-sac. Some people like people coming. But if you're on a cul-de-sac, the people that are coming into your area are supposed to be in your area. And it's supposedly a lot safer because there's no other way out except to go past your house. And that's one of the things we wanted. And we actually got that. We actually got, we actually lived on a cul-de-sac. We did. It's funny because I went on a mission trip. I went on a mission trip Now, let me explain to you what happens when I go on a mission trip. This was a a, a construction mission trip, all right? I know about as much about construction, all right, as as I do about, um, I don't know what the heart is, brain surgery. I know my level of knowledge with construction and brain surgery is about exactly the same. A big fat zero, All right. I do know this. I know that if you're doing brain surgery, they have to cut your head somewhere. And I know if you're doing construction, I'm going to need a hammer, maybe a nail or two. 
And so what I did is I got me a little, I, I went to, when I, before I did this construction trip, I, I, went and got, I, went to, I went to Lowe's and I got this belt. You know one of those belts that you get that it looks really cool, it's got the hard things. And, but here's my problem. All I had was a hammer and a pair of gloves. And so I had this big belt on and I had my hammer and then I had that I found out wasn't very good because it broke about the second hour I was using it. But I had this hammer and I had a pair of gloves and I didn't have anything else to fill up my stuff. So you know what I did? I started just walking around and I got some nails and put them in there and, and I got a screwdriver. Never intended to use any of it, all right, because I have no idea how to use any of it. So that was, that was, but I, so guess what they do? When I go on a mission trip, they size me up and they say, empty head, strong guy. We're going to put him on grunt work. And that's what I would do. I got paired up with this guy. His expertise was in electricity, and, in, and he, was, he, was a, he was excellent at electricity. And they do this every year they go on the trip. But what he did is he was, he was running these things that I later found out were called conduits. All right? So he would run the conduit up, and, and they would run the wires through. And he would get it started, and it would come down just a little bit. And guess what poor schmuck got to take and start pulling the wires? Guess who got to do that? Me. As a matter of fact, they made me take my belt off, which I wasn't happy about. I said, well, listen, isn't there going to be a nail or something or something? He was like, no, just grab your gloves and come with me. And literally for a week, that's what I did. I pulled things through. I pull things through. See, a conduit is something that flows through something else. And that's what I did. I did that all over that church. And those people better appreciate. I know right now they're having services somewhere. It's in Coleman, Alabama is where it is. And they better appreciate. They better appreciate that I pulled all those cables through. <coughs> Cul-de-sacs and conduits. Here's my question that I want to talk about today. This is the topic that I want to look at today as we look at James. Here's the question I have for you. Are you a conduit or cul-de-sac Christian? Are you a conduit or a cul-de-sac Christian? Which one are you? You see, a cul-de-sac Christian, what they do is they have their little home set up, their little spiritual home set up. And, and listen, it's, it looks nice. It looks nice from the outside. You know, they've got the nice manicured lawn. Um, for us, you know, the manicured lawn would be basically you come to church. All right, you come to church. It looks good. Um, as a matter of fact, you may, even, you may even greet people when they come in the door. Yes, you're a cul-de-sac Christian. You come to church when, you're, when, you're, uh, when it's church time, and you may or may not be late. You may or may not be late. If you come here, you probably will be because everybody else is. So, um, but uh, uh, we're not starting the church at 12. I don't care who says it. We're not doing it. It's not happening because you wouldn't show up until 1230. So, but, but listen, you come to church. Maybe if it's open on Sunday nights, you, know, you come then, and maybe Wednesday nights. I don't know what all you do, but you, you have this image that, but everything is, is pristine. And here's the thing. No one, just like in a cul-de-sac, no one really comes in and through your lives. You kind of live your life with the same little group of people. You know what we talked about last week about how we're supposed to love people. James said you're supposed to love people that are not like us. Those people never enter your life. 
And so what you do is, is you basically claim, you're almost like a, like, a, like a glutton, is you come and you just take in and take in and take in, in your perfect little cul-de-sac life, you take in all of this spiritual stuff, you take in all of these sermons, you may be even here today, taking in this sermon. But here's the point, nothing ever flows through you. And so you never share that with anybody else. You never take the next step and actually give feet to the word of God. You never do that. You never do that. Now, there's another kind. I asked you, I said there's two. A conduit Christian. What is that? Well, here's what it is. A conduit Christian is is someone that allows God to flow through them. Okay? To flow through them. And just like me pulling that wire, sometimes he has to pull you. All right? That's okay. Sometimes he has to pull you. But a conduit Christian is someone that allows God to flow through them and allows God's word to flow through them, and it affects everyone else around them, and it even goes further than that. It ripples all the way out to other people in your life and to people that you run into. You're the kind of person that when they, you see a need, you immediately try and meet that need. Even sometimes, even sometimes, if it costs you something. If it costs you something. Let me ask you a question. Are you a conduit or a cul-de-sac Christian, James chapter 2. We've been talking about James, and you guys all know this, and I've already said this. I was talking to one of you guys. I had dinner with one of you guys last week, and I said, hey, man, these sermons, man, I feel like some of them are punching them in the forehead. You know what I mean? I feel like I get punched in the forehead every week I come in here. If it makes you feel any better, if you feel like with the book of James, you get punched in the forehead, I'm getting punched in the forehead every day. I study it in order to present the message to you on Sunday. And so you're getting punched one time in the forehead. I'm getting it about five, okay? So I'll take one for the team there. But James is very straightforward. He doesn't mince words. He's very straightforward, and it's no different today, all right? It's no different today. James chapter 2, starting in verse 14, he says this. James chapter 2, starting in verse 14, it says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters? What good is it, dear brothers and sisters? Now, have have you figured out something about the dear brothers and sisters? Have you figured that out yet? Because James does that a lot. He comes in and he says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters? Here's what James is really saying. What good is it, my close friend? He's, he's given a little bit of sugar, all right, before he gives the salt. Just a little bit of sugar before he gives the salt. That's what that is. He says, what good is it if you say you have faith, but don't show, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? And then it says, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. Unless it produces those good deeds, it says, it is dead and Useless. What in the world is he trying to say? Here's what he's trying to say. He's trying to say this. You can come to church every Sunday. You can, you can, you can tithe. <laughs> you, can, you can be on this committee or that committee. You can dress in these kind of clothes or that kind of clothes. You can, you can come and you can sing the songs louder than anyone else. Heck, you may even be in the praise band. You can, you can do all these things. But unless you take, unless you put feet to that word out there, James is saying this, it's worthless. And let me go one further. And I know it's dangerous when I say stuff like this, but if that's what you're going to do, if you're not going to put feet with it, 
man, watch golf on Sunday mornings or something, you know? I mean, enjoy your, I mean, go play golf if you want to, because it's kind of worthless you coming here, because if you don't put feet to it, it's kind of worthless. I mean, now here's what it does that makes you feel better. You know what I mean? You feel good. You know, my mom used to say it all the time. We would leave church. We went to church about twice a year. Y'all can figure out the days, Christmas, Easter. And uh, she would leave and she'd always say, boy, I just feel so good. You know what I mean? And, I, and you do feel good. You do feel good coming to church, starting your day off right, don't you? You do feel that way. But as followers of Jesus, we have to take it a step further. We have to. My question to you is, is are you a conduit Christian or are you a cul-de-sac Christian? Here are some things that we know. First thing is this, and I want you guys to understand this. We were all created. We were all created with a purpose. You were created with a purpose. I don't know if you've ever done any studying about this. I don't know if you've ever done any study about this at all. But, but uh, do you know whose job it is? Do you know whose job it is to give you that purpose, to give you those gifts and talents? Do you know who gave Jeremy the gift and talent up here to, uh, to sing? I don't know if you guys know this story or not. And Jeremy, I haven't asked you if I can share it, so I'll share it anyway. Um, Jeremy, Jeremy couldn't sing he could play stuff, but he couldn't really sing until he fully surrendered to Christ. And guess who gave him that gift of singing? Guess who gave him that? You know whose job? You know what the scripture says whose job it is to give you those gifts and talents you have? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. When he, when he surrendered his life over to Christ, Holy Spirit is the one that gives out those gifts and those talents. And he gave him that gift of singing right there immediately. Immediately. He did. He said, he told me that. He said, I couldn't sing before, and now I can sing. After I gave my life over to Christ, that's when it happened. Holy Spirit's the one that gives you those gifts, and we all have a purpose. We were created for a purpose. I want to tell you something. I always tell you this, and I love this. I wish I'd have thought this up, but I stole it from someone else. Your goal in your life should be to become who it was that God had in mind when he created you. Are you with me? Who is it that God had in mind when he created you? And get that snapshot from God and then run your race toward that. That's what we need to do. That's what we need to do. We were all created with a purpose in mind. And what James is saying is, is that you can have all the faith, all the faith that you want. If you're not living out the purpose that God's called you to, your faith itself is worthless. And, it's, and here's what it says. It's dead is actually what it says. It's dead. You know, I, I use this illustration a lot, but I love this illustration because it connects with me because I love sports and football. Now, listen, I'm not going to be unspiritual and talk about the fact that Tennessee won yesterday. I would not ever do that. All right. But I will tell you that winning that game yesterday felt like a cold drink of water in a desert. All right. Of losing. So but anyway, we'll go forward. Speaking of huddles. All right. So so it's like this. It's like the team comes together. They huddle up together. The coach runs in the play by the receiver. The receiver comes in. He tells the quarterback the play. The quarterback gives the play to everyone. And then they all stand up and they sit there. And then a flag comes in. Penalties go. They move back five yards. The coach runs in another play. The play comes in. They all say, hey, it's this play. Okay, it's this play. Okay, you ready? Yeah, we're ready. We're ready. And then they all stand there. And they look around, and then time goes out, the flag is thrown, and it moves back, and it moves back, and they never progress, in their, they never progress on the field. We're the same way. We're the exact same way in our faith. If all we do is come here to this holy huddle, if all we do is come here to this holy huddle, and we never break 
the huddle and go out. See, here's what a play is. A play is a plan. When a, when a coach sends in a play, it's a plan. Do you know this? You may not know this. Now, I know it doesn't seem like this for your team, and it definitely doesn't seem like this for my team. Do you know that every single play that the coach sends in, every play that he sends in is meant to score a touchdown? Did you know that? The majority of the plays sent in are meant to go all the way to the end zone. There's a lot of coaches. What they'll do is, is they will actually make the, the team. If there's a running back, if he runs the ball, if he's on the 20 yard line in practice and he runs up the middle and he breaks free and doesn't get tackled, they'll make him run all the way to the end zone. Why is that? Because he wants to get used to doing that. Every play is meant to be a success. Every play is meant to be a touchdown. The same thing is true in our lives. When God has a plan for us, a play is like a plan. When God has that plan for us, it's supposed to be successful. But here's the thing. We have to break the huddle and we have to go operate and function and do what God has called us to do. We were all created for a purpose. You don't believe me? Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, I think we have this up here. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Now leave that up there, Lynn. I want to show you something that I had to learn myself, and this was difficult. How many people like watching the shows on HGTV? You guys like those shows where they take an old piece of garbage, and they're like, hey, we found this trash can, and then all of a sudden at the end of the show, they're selling it for a million dollars because it's some kind of other thing. Now, you guys know what I'm talking about? A little exaggeration there, but you get the point, right? So, well, I like watching shows like that with automobiles. There's cars, you know, there's, there's different cars, and they take these cars, and they're all beat-up cars, and they go through the process. And for the longest time, I used to think this. I used to say, you know what? That's like my spiritual life. You know, God found me when I was all beat up and stuff, and he took me, and he, you know, he got all the rust out and threw some nice tires on there and gave me a paint job and all this kind of stuff until I came to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And it says, we're God's masterpiece. And then it says, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus. And I thought, you know what? I'm not like that car. I'm not. I'm not like that car. I'm not. God didn't take my old self and fix it up. He actually trashed my old self. And gave me a new, new. I was praying this week and God spoke so clearly and said, you're not operating in the new. You're still operating partially with the old self. And that scripture came right to my mind. And then the next thing was this. Why did he do it? Why did he make me new? Here's why. So that we can do good things that he planned for us long ago. We are all called to a purpose. Another, another text says he saved us. He saved us so that we could do good works. That's what it says. Are you a cul-de-sac Christian or are you a conduit Christian? Here's the next thing. We have to look for opportune times to serve God and to serve others. I have so many people tell me this. They come to me and they say, listen, I, uh, I, I want to I serve. I want to help people. I want to serve people. I just don't know what to do. 
And then they look at me like I'm supposed to tell them what to do. And I'm like, okay, uh, maybe you can go sweep the floor. I mean, I, I don't know. I have no idea. They look at me like I'm supposed to know that. Can I tell you something? If you'll open yourself up to serving other people, and if you'll pray this prayer, if you'll say, God, I want to help other people. And then here's the key part. Put people or situations in my path so I get a choice to do that, so that I get a chance to do that. If you'll do that, you'll be blown away. Let me tell you a story. I'm up here about six weeks ago, and I'm like, you know what, man? I just don't feel like I'm doing enough. I really don't. I feel like I need to really... I feel like I need to step it up. I feel like I need to. And it wasn't some kind of guilt thing. I was just really feeling like, you know what, man? God wants to take me to the next level. I, need to, I want to really start stepping up my game. And so here's what I said. I said, God, Lord, put things in my, put things in my path. Put things in my path that, that put people in my, put opportunities. God, I'm looking for an opportune time to help people. Well, let me tell you something. I substitute taught up here for two weeks. All right? Now, my other job doesn't stop when I do that. I enjoyed my time substitute teaching. I did. I enjoyed it. My other job doesn't stop, though. Oh, and by the way, it was without question the most difficult time in my school. I'm still in school. I'll graduate in the spring unless I kill the professor or myself, either one. But I'll graduate in the spring, hopefully. Um, But listen, I had to do that as well. It was the most difficult two weeks in my schooling. Substitute teaching, and guess what? And I'm not blaming you guys for this. I rarely have to go visit you guys in the hospital. Every one of you got sick. I'm talking about some, I literally went to the hospital, came back, and when I came back, I got a phone call. Hey, brother, pray for me. I'm heading to the ER. And I said, well, I'm going to pray for you from here on my couch because <laughs> it's 930 at night. I hope your ailment's okay, brother. <laughs> I'll be here. I was wore out. I was wore out. But it was. It was like one thing after another, after another, after another, after another, after another. Why? God told me, God said, you asked me to put things in your path. You said you wanted to serve. You said you wanted to be a conduit. Conduit away, brother. Pull those lines, man. Keep on pulling those lines through. Keep on doing. And that's exactly the same thing that will happen to you. It's the same thing that will happen to you. If you ask God, if you ask God to put people in your life that you can help, if you ask God to do that, and if you'll get out of your comfort zone, he will do that. He will do that for you. Here's the final thing, and it's this. Remember those people who went before you and remember their examples of faith in action. Let me ask you all a question. Who was it? Who was it? Who was it that, that affected your life so heavily? Who was it? Who was it? Think about that person right now. Who was it? Who was it that decided that they weren't just going to go? Because every one of us has this example. Who was it that decided that they weren't just going to be a church member? That they weren't going to be a cul-de-sac Christian? Who was it that said, I'm going to go a step further? Because can I tell you something? Your life has been changed because of their obedience. 
your life has been changed because of what they decided to do for God. And your life has been changed. It's your life that's been changed. Think about those people. In the text here, in the text here, there's a text that reads uh, toward the end of this section. It starts talking about Abraham. And it says that Abraham believed God and counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called a friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God because of what we do, not by faith alone. Are you a conduit Christian or are you a cul-de-sac Christian? And then it talks about Rahab. You guys remember who Rahab is? You guys know who she was? She was a prostitute. She was a prostitute. And she helped, she helped the spies come in. She helped them. By her own faith, she helped them. Now, let me be honest with you guys. If God can use a prostitute, surely he can use you. Surely he can use you. What does that tell you about God? You know what it tells you? Anybody that will submit, anybody that will surrender, anybody that will place their their lives in his hand, anybody, he'll use it for his glory. He will. He'll use it for his glory and he'll use it to edify other people. Here's what the scripture says in James 2, 26. It says, and I'll read the first part. It says, Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right by God when her actions, when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. And then here's 26. Here's what's up there. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Are you a conduit Christian or are you a cul-de-sac Christian? Can I be completely transparent with you and say that right now as we sit here in our comfortable chairs, can I tell you that there are, there are cul-de-sac churches all over this county? I'm not, not being mean about it. I'm just being completely transparent with you and telling you there is a lot of cul-de-sac churches going on. And no, I'm not just talking about the tiny little church out in the country, the frozen chosen. I'm not talking about them, you know, the frozen chosen that sit there. They'll be, I tell people all the time, I'm like, look, that person will be there at that, in that pew on Sunday morning. I don't care what it is. I don't care what happens. They're going to be right there and they're going to sit stiff as a board and they're going to get carried out and get brought back in the next week. That's just the truth. There are, there are cul-de-sac churches all over America. There are. Do you know how I know there are? Because there are churches that are allowing, they're allowing things to come in to their midst that are unbiblical and that are not what God's word says. They are. They are. And they sit and they listen and they never do anything. And so and they don't ever experience God. And so by not experiencing God, they are allowed to be led away is what the scripture says. And I want you to know that there's a, there's a little thing. I put some of these up here. Lynn, can we bring those up here? Here's, here's some practical applications for today. Cul-de-sac. Cul-de-sac people think of themselves first. I want you to get that. Cul-de-sac people. Your fir- if your first thought is, well, how is this going to affect me? If that's your first thought, you possibly are a cul-de-sac Christian. Conduit Christians, what they do is, is they said, I'm going to put somebody else's needs before mine. And I'm going to trust God to provide for me. God, I'm going to pour out. You're going to keep pouring into me. And I'm going to trust you to do that. The second one is this. It's, uh, it's, it's this one. Cul-de-sac Christians, they don't allow others to get close. 
They don't. They don't allow others to get close to them because, see, if you allow someone to get close to them, then they may be accountable to something. They may, they're, they're nice little, they're nice little, little house. It's just nice the way it is. And, oh, by the way, we're going to put up a little fence, you know, uh, you know, to keep the neighbors out. And, you know, we don't want everybody coming over. We don't go that awkward. You know what I'm saying? We don't want to go that weird. We're going we're gonna, to, you know, just not everybody get close. Well, a conduit person, what they do is just like a conduit, opens their lives up. They do. They, they live their life in an open way because they want others to see it and they want others to be affected by their life. They want others to be affected by what God is doing for them. Which one are you? Are you a conduit Christian or are you a cul-de-sac Christian? Can we go to the next one? The next one is this. The cul-de-sac asks the question this, how will I be benefited from this? How can I benefit from this? How can I benefit from this? Maybe, maybe, and there's nothing wrong with getting benefit from God's blessing, but maybe you get this big bonus at work and your first thought is, oh, I'm going to go buy me this. Oh, I'm going to go buy me that. Well, I don't know. That may or may not be what God wants you to do. But maybe your first thought, like a conduit, would be, hey, listen, who can I bless with this? God, how can we take this situation? How can we take this blessing that you're giving me? And how can we pour that on to other people? How can we do that? How can we do that? The final one is this. A cul-de-sac Christian receives a blessing. And there's nothing wrong with receiving blessings. There's nothing wrong at all. But a conduit person receives a blessing. And then it flows right out of them on to other people. One of the things that the house we built on the cul-de-sac had is it had a garbage disposal. Now, I have a septic system at our home now. And I know some of you guys have told me that I can put a garbage disposal on that septic system because there's all this new technology and all this kind of stuff. But the guy who pumps septic systems, I talked to him, and I said, can I put one of those new technology things? And he said, yeah, you can do that, and I'll see you in about three years. All right, I'll see you then, and I'll have a big bill in my hand too. He said, so if you like seeing me, get, a, get, a, get one of those. Get a, get a garbage disposal. So we had a garbage disposal at our old house. Our old house had a garbage disposal. And here's what would happen. Wendy would put the food in there and run a little water and go, and it would be fine. She would do that. You know what I mean? And it would all flow out. It would all just keep on flowing. She'd pour that water in and hit that button, and it would go, do whatever it does. And it would grind on out of there. Well, me and my infinite wisdom, I thought, hey, if you can put a little bit of food in here, then when we have mega leftovers, we can just put a whole bunch in there. And so that's what I did. I'm talking about one day, every once in a while when Wendy's at work or whenever, you know, she goes uh, off somewhere, I will just do this. I, I, am a, I am the opposite of a hoarder, okay? If it's not nailed down, I will throw it out. Blake is lucky to be here. He's ended up in the dumpster twice, and Wendy's had to grab him back out. I'm not kidding you. I will throw whatever out. I will. I'll do that. If it's not nailed down, I'll throw it out. And so when I went in the kitchen, I was like, what are all these leftovers, man? I started piling all this stuff up, and I was like, and I was running that thing. I was going, I was running the water, but I just kept piling it, kept piling it. And finally it goes, and it stopped. And I don't know if it was a pork chop bone. I don't know what it was. But something in there clogged it up, and the, the, and the sink was full of old, nasty food. Isn't that gross? But I'm like, wait a minute, why did this happen? It, wh why did this happen? There, there, was, there was so much. Wait, this, it's supposed to put food in, 
I've seen her do it. She runs the water. I flip the switch, and it all just flows out. But what I had done is I had put stuff after stuff after stuff after stuff, and it had gotten so full that it just got clogged up, and it got gross, and it was nasty, and Wendy had a hard time cleaning it up. I'm just kidding. I cleaned it up. Can I tell you guys something to close? That example is a perfect example of how our life can be. If we are not conduits for God's blessing, we can be just like, just like that garbage disposal. Oh yeah, we can, we can start having blessings come in. We can start having those things come into our lives. But I want to tell you something. If none of that stuff's coming back out, if none of it is being run through, if we're not giving out as we receive, if we're not giving out as we receive, if we're not giving out as we receive, if we're not giving out, what ends up happening is, is that our lives spiritually get kind of clogged and kind of nasty and kind of messy because there's nowhere else for it to go. And so we just sit there like nasty food in a sink with nowhere to go because it's overflowed. And that's what happens. That's what happens to our life a lot of times. James is saying here that we are to be conduits. We are not to be cul-de-sac Christians. We are to be conduits to what God has given us and to continually push that out and continually look for, look for things. It's interesting. There's, a, there's two people uh, in, in Coweta County that are, are homeless and they didn't have any shoes. And I got a call Friday morning from someone that said, hey, can we provide these shoes? And I know they're legitimate. It's legitimate. I've seen the shoes, okay? I've seen what they're wearing. And I put on Facebook, and just like I knew what happened, call after call after call after call after text after text after text began to come into my phone from you. And tomorrow, because two people, because two families in this church decided that they would be a conduit instead of a cul-de-sac, there's going to be two guys, while they may not have a nice home to go to, they will at least have nice shoes on their feet. When I was talking to the people buying the shoes, I said, hey, listen, I said, I don't know how to say this, but to be honest, don't go buy something that you wouldn't wear. If you wouldn't wear Dollar General Store shoes, don't go buy them Dollar General Store shoes. Both of them went to Academy and bought nice shoes, and I have them. We're going to give, get to give them to them tomorrow. And those people are going to get those shoes. But can I tell you the truth? Here's the truth. The truth is, is that those two men are going to be walking around this week and they're going to feel like they've been so blessed. But it's the two families that gave the shoes that will feel even more blessed because they were conduits to what God had given them. And that's what I want to encourage you to be today. I want to encourage you to be a conduit for your faith, to be a conduit, a conduit for what God's blessed you with. If you'll do that, if you'll do that, you'll live a life that's free. You will. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you, Lord, for the fact that you love us enough to challenge us with your word and to, to show us the way in which to go. 
Lord, we want to be people that are, that are conduits. We want to be people that allow things to flow through us. We want to be people that, um, that, that allow your blessings to flow through us. God, everyone here, simply by the fact that they drove here today, everyone here is blessed. Simply by the fact that, that they are here today, they're blessed. Let us not take those blessings and put them for ourselves. Let us be people that take those blessings and give them out without ever having thought of ourselves. It's what you're calling us to do, God. We don't ever want to be a cul-de-sac church. We don't. We want people to come from all different areas, all different walks, all different, all different areas of life. Lord, that's who we want to be. Thank you for your word in James that challenges us to do this. Thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, let's stand up. We're going to have a final worship song. Thank you for listening to the podcast of Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or if you would like to contact us at Real Church, please go to our website at www.realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us on Sunday at 11.15 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Also, check out our website or Facebook page for directions. Until next time, God bless, and remember to love God, love others, and live real.